Hello, this is Diane Estabrook, staff writer for McKnight's Home Care. Welcome to Newsmakers, a McKnight's podcast. Today, my guest is Ryan Iwamoto, president and co-founder of 24-Hour Home Care. Hi, Ryan. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Diane. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Great. 24-Hour Home Care was recently named by Fortune Magazine one of the best workplaces in aging services. Congratulations. Thank you. No, we're honored to uh, to win this award, and I think it's a testament to the culture that our team has built along the way. As you should be. And, and let's talk about that a little bit. What? How did you achieve that? What, what did you do to achieve that kind of that kind of recognition at a time when home care companies are under tremendous pressure with staffing and high demand. Yeah, so you know, one, I think we're really excited uh, to win, and we've we've done it for four years in a row, which I think is a testament again to the team that we have in place. And one thing I'll highlight too that I really like about this uh, survey from Fortune is that it not just goes to our office staff, but it also goes to all of our caregivers, our thousands of caregivers. So um, those surveys determine you know, the winners of this award. So hearing that from not just our office, but our, our caregiver employees as well is great. It's a great testament to, to the company. But you know, I think the first thing, Diane, is that you know, one of the things that I've learned is that how important it is to listen to your employees and you know we've really been intentional about creating a caregiver centric people first organization and and really how you do that is by listening to your employees and making sure that their feedback and suggestions are always included to improving the company and one of our core principles that we have is improve always so yeah we always constantly push ourselves to be our best and focus on the solutions we also strive for continuous improvement in everything that we do. And one of that is from getting feedback from our employees. Gotcha. You've called your company the Trader Joe's of home care, which I think is really interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you're referring to when you say you are the Trader Joe's of home care? Yeah, well, Diane, back when we started 24 Hour Home Care in 2008, home care was extremely fragmented and it still is today. But back in 2008, uh, there was really only two types of home care companies predominantly that that were in the market. On one side of the spectrum, you had the mom and pops or you know the franchises. And then on the other side of the scale, you had the large home health companies that also did home care as sort of a secondary or tertiary service. It wasn't their main focus, but there really wasn't anything in between. So David and I, my co-partner, David Allerby, we... Uh, we wanted to take the best of both worlds, bring the personalization, the localness of a mom and pop company, but also combine it with the professionalism and the scalability of a large business. And really there wasn't anyone doing that in our space. So we looked at it as for inspiration on, you know, are there any companies that are doing this well? And, you know, we found that one company and it wasn't in healthcare. Uh, it was in the uh, grocery store industry. And, that was Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's has done a fabulous job of really creating that local feel within the community, that this is like your community Trader Joe's. Um, but they've been able to scale their business across the country. So, you know, if you, we're here in Southern California where Trader Joe's started, but, you know, you go to the East Coast and you're seeing Trader Joe's as well, still having that local feel. And looking at their model, you know, really they focus on three things. One, competitive pricing, quality of their goods, 
But I think the one thing that really separates them from the rest of the grocery stores is their people. They're very people-centric organization, right? You go to Trader Joe's and their employees just seem a little bit more engaged, a little bit more, I guess you could say, happy doing what they do. Um, and also very knowledge in the products that they are selling. And we wanted to bring that as well to 24 Home Care. And it's it's the reason why we have our focus on being people first, caregiver centric. You talk about your culture and the emphasis on people. And as you grow, how do you maintain that culture? And, and how tough is it to maintain that culture and keep those kind of people or recruit those kind of people as you get bigger? Yes, it's, it, it is a big challenge, especially as you get bigger and bigger, because, you know, we started this company, it was just the, the co-founders to start. And then we started bringing people on. And to be quite honest, Diane, you know, we didn't really have a, a motto or a why or a mission statement to start the company because we, we didn't really need to put that on the walls to get people fired up and motivated to, to come work with 24 Home Care because they saw it from us, our employees. And uh, they, we lived and breathed it every day. But as we start to get bigger and bigger, we weren't able to have those personal relationships with every single employee. They didn't always get a sense of, you know, what is the vision and what is the mission for this company? So six years later, we decided that we need to put pen to paper and really define where we want to take this company. What is the vision? And why do we do what we do here at 24 Home Care? So we took a lot of input from our employees. We actually surveyed them and we had them bring back some feedback to us about, you know, what are some core uh, values that define what it means to be a part of Team 24? And, you know, what do they like about the company? What do they dislike? So we got all that information and we really came up with how we wanted to structure uh, the culture. And that started with defining our core values defining our mission statement and defining our why and that has evolved along the way so our why um back in what was that uh 2014 has changed and, and has taken on a whole new meaning to what it is today and i anticipate two three years from now that might change as well and then it goes back to our core principles improve always and always finding ways to get better but right and now oh go ahead I was just going to say, in recent years, um, when you've surveyed them, what have they told you that has maybe caused you to tweak your mission? Well, I think this is what's happened. As you get bigger and bigger, you have to start creating uh, specialization in the role. So uh, one of the things that happened was, you know, we our model changed a bit just in terms of our organizational structure. So we used to have the sort of traditional offices in the territories and they all had their team, you know, it consists of schedulers, a manager, recruiters, salesperson, they all worked within that team. But as we got bigger and bigger, it was harder and harder to manage that and, and have a consistent culture across the board. So we started centralizing some of the roles. And when people are now not fully uh, ingrained in every aspect of the business, you lose sight of sometimes why you do what you do right? You're not necessarily seeing that caregiver every single day or, or seeing that client in their own home every single day or every single week. Sometimes now you're just talking to them on the phone. So we really want to be intentional about how do we continue to keep our employees engaged in understanding why we do what we do. And that first started with defining our why. 
And our why is impacting people's lives by making a difference every day. And that's not just with our clients, which is what typically people think of, but that expands beyond our clients. It goes to our caregivers, it goes to our colleagues, and it goes to our community. We like to call it the four C's. So every single day here at 24 Hour Home Care, you have a chance to impact someone's life, whether it's providing care, providing employment, or even going above and beyond and helping a colleague. Um, we feel that you have an opportunity to do that every single day here at this company. You seem to be a, a company that's really sticking to your knitting. And um, well, I say that because of the acquisition that you announced um, recently with Grand Care that's going to put you deeper into home, home care services. Is that sort of your strategy to just focus on that one, that one core business? Yeah, home care is our bread and butter. We, that's what we've, we've done um, since day one. And we don't really have any intention to go into a different space like home health because we get that question all the time. Oh, when are you going to go to the skilled side of home care? Home care on the non-medical side, that's our uh, bread and butter. And, and we don't see much uh, deviation from that. Now, we understand we may be great at home care, but home health, there might be some opportunities. So instead of doing it ourselves, why not partner with someone that does it and will do it much better than we do it. So Grand Care, we had a relationship with them before. Um, you know, the story that I share is my wife actually worked at Grand Care and she was a speech therapist and she worked um, on the side for them. So I knew of their company. And then actually four years ago, three or four years ago, Grand Care was also on that list of Fortune best workplaces in aging services. So that name caught my eye and uh, I, I messaged their CEO, David Bell, and uh, we had lunch and that sparked the conversation uh, because they also did home care on the non-medical side. So we had a conversation about, oh, well, you know, what if we helped you manage the home care side to give you more focus on your home health, which is your core business. So it is really focusing on the strengths of what you do and then partnering with others that might be able to help on some of the other areas that you might have opportunity. And we've seen that a lot, especially, you know, with everything going on in our own industry of home care and finding talent and uh, some of the challenges there that uh, a lot of companies want to focus in on what they do best. And uh, maybe there's an opportunity to have another person uh, help run or manage or acquire the business or their division of their business that maybe that's not their key focus. So we've talked about what you do. Let's talk a little bit about where you do it. And you're kind of focused now on California. You've moved into Texas and Arizona. Are there any other states that you might be looking to move into? Yeah, great question, Diane. So we're our vision and where we want to take this company is nationwide. We want to be the largest non-medical home care provider that really specialize in three different areas of non-medical in-home care. One is the private pay side, um, which we've, we've created a very significant business on, uh, in those three states of Arizona, California, and Texas. We also do uh, have our disability services division, which focuses on care in the home for adults and children with developmental disabilities. That we are just focusing in California, but we're looking to expand that out into different states. And then the third, segment of the business, which is what we're not in right now, but we do have a potential acquisition in New Mexico that will be getting into the Medicaid personal care business. And uh, looking at that company, it looks very similar to our operations and infrastructure of our disability services 
uh, division in California. So we're extremely excited to get into that line of business and really do all three of those segments well. And when you look across the country, Diane, there's really not a home care company that does all three segments well uh, or at, a, at scale. You have a lot that focus on just the private pay side, such as our company, but they don't really focus much on the Medicaid personal care business. And then you have on the other side of the spectrum, you have a lot of Medicaid personal care providers, but they don't really touch the private pay side. We feel very confident with our infrastructure and our resume of taking on these different types of lines of business that we can be successful in all three. And, and that is the vision of where we want to go. We've talked a lot about um, your staffing and your people, and, and really staffing is sort of the big elephant in the room right now, one of the big elephants in the room right now. Yes. There's so much about there's a worker shortage and everybody is vying for candidates. How do you go about recruiting good candidates and get them to stay with you? Yeah, no, and I just experienced that. I, I just traveled to uh, New Mexico the other day, and uh, at the hotel, the uh, hotel bar was shut down because they didn't have workers to work on Monday and Tuesday. So uh, that hotel bar was was not operating. My Uber, it took usually or used to like a five to ten minute wait time. It's taken twenty five to thirty minutes just to get an Uber. Um, so everyone's facing it and especially on the home care side too so um yes it has been the biggest challenge over the last three four five months and it's where we're putting a lot of our energy and focus on is, is making sure that we continue to bring on the right people for our business and this goes back to what i talked about diane is again emphasizing the caregiver centric people first culture that we have in place so right off the bat how do we do that Tac uh, tactically is we want to pay above market rate. And that's first and foremost, we want to make sure our caregivers are getting a livable wage that can sustain them uh, and sustain their, their livelihood. And we need to make sure we do that. I think that's something we can do across the board as an industry. Um, so for us, we strategically place our, our pay rates for our caregivers 20 to 30% above where it is at the market, just so that they we feel confident that we can attract the right caregivers, but also making sure that we're providing industry leading benefits, making sure they have access to comprehensive uh, healthcare insurance, um, especially in a time of pandemic, you wanna make sure that your caregivers feel, are taken care of and they feel that they have, that they are being taken care of with some of the benefits that they have. And yes, that is gonna be a cost to our clients. It's gonna mean our rates are gonna go up and have gone up, but it's our job to show the value of that. Right? And why maybe their rate is going up or maybe they're paying a little bit more than they paid before, but that is going to their caregiver. And what that means to the client is that you're going to have a caregiver that's going to be making above market rate. They're going to have a living wage to support themselves and their family, and they're going to be consistent uh, with you. And they're not going to have to look for other jobs to make ends meet. They can do that by working with 24-hour home care. And really that's our focus is just making sure that we stay caregiver centric and that we're taking care of the people that are really the faces of our company. Of course, the other elephant in the room is the vaccine and vaccine hesitancy. And we've been hearing um, in the healthcare industry, a lot of healthcare workers still have not gotten those shots. Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about what your experience has been with your own staff and getting them vaccinated. Yeah, it's it's another challenge that uh, presents itself. But you know, I always like to look at challenges as you know, where is the opportunity in the challenge? And I think a lot of this DNA comes from 
even when starting the business. So, you know, we started in 2008. Diane, I'm sure you know exactly what's going on in 2008. It was, you know, we're in the heart of the recession starting a business. So a lot of our DNA and, and mentality comes from, okay, there's a potential challenge or problem. How do we get around it? Maybe how do we find an opportunity here? So overall, I, I mean, the pressure of the vaccines, I think is a great thing. I think it is uh, something that we do need to do as an industry and a company to protect ourselves, to protect our caregivers, to protect our clients. But it is going to be a challenge uh, just operationally. You know, it's, we don't have a central hub where everyone comes every single day to report to work. Everyone's remote. So being able to collect all that information, whether it's the, the vaccine cards or the weekly testing, it is going to be a challenge. But uh, I'm confident that we will find a way to make it work. Just so you know, in our numbers, so LA County, they mandated the vaccine back in July. So we had a little bit of a head start in terms of making sure that we have the right processes to make the calls, to make sure that we get all of the updated information from our caregivers. So as of now in LA County, we have an idea of, of who is vaccinated and who may be hesitant to, to be vaccinated. So right now, we're about 65% that are vaccinated with our caregivers in LA County. We hope to see that go up. And the other surprising stat is that we're only less than 3% in our caregiver population in LA County that's basically saying that they're unwilling to comply with the mandate or will have a uh, exemption, a religious or medical exemption. So that 3%, we feel is very... Uh, low. And actually, we're excited about that number. But again, this is a small population of LA, not small population, but this is a, a subset of our uh, territories that we're in, which is just LA County. But as you look at from the whole entire territory that we cover, which includes all of California, Texas, and Arizona, it, th those might be different statistics. And it's too late to report on it right now. Or, sorry, it's too early to report on it right now for the other territories. But Seeing LA County, I'm a little bit more confident in being able to get our carriers vaccinated or, you know, have the testing option available for them. And and just finally, Ryan, looking at what do you think, and, and just briefly tell us, what do you think is the biggest challenge ahead for your industry? I think it's going to be the recruitment and retention of caregivers. I talked to a lot of different counterparts. Uh, in our industry. And, and that is the number one challenge that everyone's facing. So I am very confident that, yes, it will be a challenge, but I think with COVID-19, everything has gone transpired over the last year and a half. It has really put a spotlight on home care for, for better. And it's going to create a higher demand, not just from the 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 consumer perspective but also within the healthcare systems too so uh, i think people are now seeing that the home is the pl the safest place for people and how do we do it at the most cost effective uh way of doing it and that is using caregivers and we're excited about that opportunity but we also need to you know make sure that we have the caregivers to be able to support that and and that is our full focus right now is just making sure that we bring on the right caregivers and then we also retain them as long as we can Ryan Iwamoto, 24-Hour Home Care, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Diane. Thanks for having me. Happy to do it. <laughs>